You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, population of civilizations and nations who is in starvation for illumination and mm. sensation and mental lubrication. Uh, this is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is 197, and I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your dancing dandies doing delectable deeds while distributing delicious details and data. I am Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Recently, listener... Daniil, mm-hmm. um, she wrote uh, a message to us over Facebook, and uh, this is what she said. Of course, with these, I always ask the person, I was like, can I share this on the show? Yeah. And she said, yes. So Daniil writes, this is in her voice, when my husband said, I made muffins from scratch the other day, I was curious about where from scratch mm-hmm. came yeah. from. Because their cat is named Scratch. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, do you know you're a... I mean, I, you know, I've read this one before. Yeah, lingo. from scratch. Sporty oh, lingo, sport. huh? I mean, I don't know. You say sports, like now it makes like scratching out plays in football or well, baseball it's like or if something. You, if you, um, if you're bowling, you know, you put a line across the, you know, the, the scoring table. If you got zero mm. for that round, for right? the scratch, so, I mean, the score. So I made it from nothing. Yeah. I made it from scratch. Scratches. Yeah. I don't know. Is that it? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> no, but all, it, it but, stemmed from one sport and it just kind of applied to a okay. lot of other sports. So this is what uh, Daniel said. It is the world of boxing that has given us the concept of starting from scratch. Mm. The scratched line there specified the positions of boxers who faced each other at the beginning of a fight. Uh, Scratch later came to be used as the name for any starting point for a race or an event. The term came to be used in handicap races. For example, in cycling, those who were given no advantage had Uh, the handicap of starting from scratch, while hmm. others started ahead of the line. Okay. Um, And so golf uh, took up the the, the term. Scratch golfer. Yeah, with no advantage or basically from from the bottom or from zero. Um, And so that's where it came from. And now it's like baking. (laughs) Now it's all all, all cooking, kind of (laughs) cooking related. Yeah. As you guys know, I was writing a shark trivia fact book, and it's uh, about to be off to the printers. So All it's right. exciting. Congratulations. Yes, it is. Yeah, I know so much about sharks. <laughs> yeah. More than you thought you would ever yeah. know about sharks. I make sharks. sure all your good job brain favorite uh, things we like to talk about is in the book, too. You're, so, you're at so. the top of the amateur uh, shark game, basically. Yes, yeah. right. I am. I'm not pro yet. You're not pro. Well, you're not like a shark doctor. What's a know? shark expert called? That is in the book. It is called a shark biologist. <laughs> or like a, a marine biologist. Right. So basically, okay. for someone who's not a marine biologist, you're pretty up on your sharks. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not very exciting. I it's thought not an ichthyologist. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I thought it was like aggresso ichthyologist. That was one of the, oh, the sure. bogus answers I threw yeah. in. You know, yeah. I know there's some like right. shark theology. Yeah. You're like yeah. shark theology. <laughs> Right. I said sharkist. <laughs> sharkist? Yeah. It's just marine biologist. I like, yeah. I like how you had like the scientific ones and the answer is shark expert. Well, that's the hard part of writing this book is like, you know, I have to ask a good question, like a good fact. Uh-huh. But then I also have to provide two additional 
Writing you know, multiple yeah. choice is hard. You know, yeah. and, and I want to yeah. make it fun, so it's not, you're just like, ah, so what? Did, you know, is it one, you, uh, three, or seven? You're like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> like, so, yeah, right, so, you, right, know, you have right. to kind of make it funny, and that's, that's the, a lot of the effort was kind of so thinking it was, up it was, the mm, good, bad answers. Like 10% facts and 90% thinking of jokes. Yeah, pretty well, yeah. A, lot, yeah. a lot of puns. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. Did you get puns. William Shakespeare in there? Gilliam. Oh, <laughs> Gilliam. Gilliam. Two levels. Wait, but there is a Shakespeare. Is there pun. still time? There is a Shakespeare pun. <laughs> oh, in oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. No, oh, I'm not yeah. gonna oh, yeah. I mean, that's for the spoiler. price of fifteen, you gotta buy the book to find out what the, <laughs> like, the hidden yeah. shark pun is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's available on a uh, pre-order on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's my shark book, and also we we have uh, our our own Good Job Brain book. Yeah, uh, that is also uh, available in fine bookstores yeah. and uh, bookstores online near you. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment: pop quiz, hot shot. Ooh, my voice went a little hyper. We got new batteries in our uh, fresh, barnyard buzzers. So fresh bats for our buzzes. Strong. Yeah, Yeah, this horse hasn't been this loud in a while. Mm -hmm. All right. Here, I have a random assortment of Trivia Pursuit cards from different versions of the game. And and half of these are are old silver screens, so get ready. All right, Colin, left hand, right hand. Right hand. Dana, left hand, right hand. Left hand. Chris, left hand, right hand. Left hand. Trivia Pursuit 90s. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Man. All right. 90s. Just 90s. possible that we have so many of these cards? 1995. Are you it's, kidding I, I think we have a 95 we edition. It's always card. 95. Like, yeah. it's never 93 or 97. It's always 95. Okay. See, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading this card, and it seems familiar, but then some of the questions I don't remember, I feel right. like I should remember. Just so I'm going to ask. Force ahead. We again. This mystery box might have repeats. Here right. we go. Um, this one's a little, a little bit blue. Um, oh, oh. All, really? all most of these questions are a little. Well, weird. I don't remember that. Ah, okay, I the same was family friendly. All right, <laughs> Pink Wedge, nineteen ninety five Trivia Pursuit. Uh, buzzers ready. Pink Wedge. What movie about the spread of a deadly virus hit theaters in nineteen ninety five? Killing plans for a movie based on the Hot Zone. <laughs> Colin. Was that Outbreak? It is Outbreak. The Outbreak Monkey. Yes. Yes. Killing Plants for a movie based on The Hot Zone. Is that a book? Yeah. Yeah. Is it in italics? Yes. Yeah, it must have been a book about... Oh, good good sleuth. What 74-year-old cooking icon took her red spoon online to make everyday homemade? Dana. Betty Crocker? Correct. It is uh, Betty Crocker. Okay. Who is not a real, not person. Not a real person. That's why I was like, ah, but Red <laughs> Spoon is, is right. It's just yeah. a brand. Yeah, she is 74, spoon. yeah. And a cooking icon. Mm. So she was a real person. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Brown Wedge. Who appeared in epic films, Live Nude Girls and Porky's, before Sex and the City beckoned? And, oh. Dana. Kim Cattrall? Correct. Oh, right. Yeah. Samantha. Yeah. And Mannequin, <laughs> too, She's right? a mannequin. The, the lead, the title the role. The titular role. <laughs> yeah. uh, Orange Wedge. What retired newscaster topped all 1995 media poll categories except most attractive? Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, what retired? Newscaster topped all 1995 media poll Categories except for most Aww. attractive. So if it's we retired, it could be insult. anybody, right? So retired at 1995. Oh, retired that year. I think so. Oh. Walter Cronkite? Correct! Oh, 
Oh, I was going to guess that, but I thought that was way too late. He has huh. a sexy grandpa thing. I guess going. Well, I guess he was still yeah. active into the 90s. Yeah, I don't know why I thought that was earlier. Like a professor. Yeah, oh no, I can oh, see yeah. that. Green Wedge, who did South Africa pick to head up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that investigated apartheid atrocities? Uh, that was the horse, which is called. <laughs> uh, Nelson Mandela? Incorrect. Hmm. Who did South Africa pick? And it wasn't Nelson Mandela. Don't know. It is Desmond Tutu. Oh. Yes, Bishop Desmond Tutu. Bishop. Yeah, it's like, think of the yes. uh, second Bishop. South African yeah. man. Yeah. 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 Like, right, right. right. Yeah, like, it should have been like nope, Desmond Tutu. Nothing. He was in the punch bowl, but nothing. it couldn't. Okay. Desmond yeah. Tutu. Yeah. Fish it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, last question, Blue Wedge. What 54-year-old singer took everything off but her boots for a Playboy cover? In 1995. 54-year-old singer, 1995. Oh. Uh, Colin. 54-year-old singer, 95. Uh, Tina Turner. Incorrect. Dana. Nancy Sinatra. Nancy wow. Sinatra. Uh, the boots. These the boots, boots are made for walking yeah. naked through town. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, guess that, I guess that worked. The ages. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 In 1995, she was 54 yeah. then. Yeah. yeah, I guess, yeah, I was thinking she would have been older, but no. Good work, you All guys. Right. And that one's going to go into the trash, so we'll never see it again. That yeah. one's kind of blue. Yeah, there was a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Playboy. Yeah. And but do you want, but do you want yeah. that or, or baby boomer? No. As long as it's real <laughs> Trivial Pursuit, I will take any card. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. I'm sorry. I got to share. What is it? What's that one? Uh, this is from Baby Boomer. Mm-hmm. Give me the it Baby is. Boomer card. Yeah, I, 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 I will take that card every day. Helen is not a Baby okay. Boomer. <laughs> What color was C-3PO? Uh, <laughs> C-3PO is so gold. Say, yeah. yeah. Is it goldenrod? <laughs> Who shot Spider Sabich? What? Sabich? Spider Sabich? What's the category? I don't know. I don't know. N-N? N-N? National N-N? News? Not News. Who shot I mean, I need to know if this is a real person or... Uh, it sounds fake. Spider, it does Although sound the last fake. name. Spider S-A-B-I-C-H. Wow. It's not a ringing a bell. No. No. Spider oh. Jerusalem is a comic character. What's okay. the answer? Claudine Langey. Oh, Longuet. sure. Oh. Sure. No, 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 that's, no, no. It's ringing a bell. But, but no. Yeah, it's the, the, no the answer is, yeah, the answer's <laughs> ringing a bell. I don't know why. What else is on there? What else is on there? Whose buckaroos were the buckaroos? <laughs> who's bu- oh, whose buckaroos were the buckaroos? Were the buckaroos. Roy What's Rogers? the category? RPM. Oh, okay. I mean, so, category matters. Yeah. RPM. Yeah, RPM. So records. Oh, records, records. probably. Yeah. Okay. So that's not, not a bad Roy, guess. Roy yeah. Rogers. Yeah, Roy nope. Rogers. Yeah. Um, Buckaroos. Buckaroos. It's got to be. Uh, oh, Gene Autry. Nope. I mean, who is um, it? It is. Howdy Doody. Buck what? Owens. Oh, oh Buck oh, Owens. Okay. Geez. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've Comedy writer and okay. yeah. Oh yeah, Buck yeah. Owens. Yeah. Famous. Whoa! Yeah. Another Playboy one. What first did Mary and Madeline Collinson achieve in the October 1970 issue of Playboy? Mm. 1970. Well, is it was it the first twins in the center? Yes, yeah. first twins. Oh, oh, I thought it was Mary Ann, not Mary Ann. Oh. Uh, first, first twin playmates. Oh, first okay. Playmates. All right. A lot of Playboy questions in Trivial Pursuit. Well, I mean, these are random, yeah. too. Yeah. You know, um, last one. Who said, I've kept my identity separate from Edith's? If I keep on in the role, people will never think of me as anyone else. Good luck. Edith. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I don't even know what. 
I've kept my identity separate from me. That's if I continue on in the role. What's the category? Probably TV. TV. Okay. Well, it could be Edith Broadway Co- or TV. Edith no, I'm Cram? guessing it's 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 Edith Bunker, but Edith. what's the name of the actress? Was it uh, Stapleton? Stapleton? Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this okay, is where category yeah. matters. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Not bad. Yeah. All right. Good job, brains. Colin, you know the trivia of um, what was the first item ever sold on eBay, right? Uh, I yeah. do. We yeah. talked about this. Yes, yeah. it was a, a broken laser pointer. Yep. Purchased by a collector of broken laser <laughs> yeah, pointers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thus proving in one shot the, the magic of eBay that yeah. there is a buyer out there. <laughs> For everything. Wait, so, but is that, is that, that's the real story? Because like some, real some story. of the startups, they have like a, a kind of marketing. eBay's, eBay's, yeah. eBay's fake story is that um, is sure. that the wife of Pierre Omidyar was a Pez collector. And oh. Pez, Pez dispensers. Trade, yeah. She wanted to trade Pez dispensers. But really, they had, they had formulated eBay from a so, very kind of abstract idea of like this will be the perfect yeah. marketplace but no that's the beauty is yeah. is you're right there is you don't need to worry your audience will find you like yeah. for every deal there is someone willing to make that deal that's right and these yeah. days with ebay and craigslist and you know we, we have all of these different ways uh for everybody to get involved in buying and selling and wheeling and dealing oh and yeah you see that a lot more Close. these days it's, yeah. it's all yeah. like automated and easy so that got us thinking about buying and negotiating and haggling and making making the best of a situation. So this week, let's make a deal. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. So yeah, let's let's kick it off by talking about negotiation. Let's talk about bargaining, haggling. I'm a yard sale guy. Yeah, since you I was are. A kid. Yeah, you are yard expert sales. in in the craft. I, exactly, in the craft. I mean, in going in in going places where prices are where it's assumed that you're going to be negotiating prices. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to yard sales and flea markets, that's just that's just all part of the game. The you you are. I, I've witnessed you at work, and you are an unabashed like just slash and burn haggler. You know, person well, person gives a price, and Chris is like, I'll give you twenty percent of that. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it's very important to, to do stuff like that. I mean, the thing is, you know, what I kind of realized in life is people have a lot of internal rules for, is it okay to haggle or not? And the only rule is this, if the person that you are talking to has the authority to change the price, you can haggle. So, I mean, certainly at hmm. flea markets and yard sales, if you're talking to it's the person stuff. whose stuff it is, you can haggle. Of course you can haggle. Um, they might not be receptive to it, but you can try and you can try yeah. different things. If you're at a store then it's a small mom and pop shop, you can haggle if you're talking to the owner or the manager or the person who has been, yeah. who has authority vested in them. You can't go to Walmart <laughs> and haggle with the person at the register. Yeah. It doesn't work. But there are people who will tell you that they would go to, like, a Target and find something that's open box or damaged that's not been reduced in price and find a manager who actually does have the authority in ad hoc oh, situations to yeah. give a manager's discount on something that's busted. And, um, and get it off the floor. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and get rid of it. And, uh, and 
again, if it's a if it's an independently owned store, I mean, you got to kind of suss out like who am I talking to here? Um, is this a person that I can negotiate with? So there are psychological things at play here, and people have done a lot of research on this. And so there's some there's a lot of fascinating stuff about pricing. Mm, uh, oh if yeah, you're the seller and you're putting a price on something. You know, pricing trickery. You know, everything from uh, this is available in just four easy payments of nineteen ninety nine. You know, yeah. something like that. Nineteen ninety nine versus twenty versus twenty, <laughs> which we've talked about on the show before when we talk about pricing that comes from what is called left digit bias which is we read from left to right and so if the first thing we encounter is a one then we're already thinking oh this is ten dollars than- it's ten dollars <laughs> and something so if it's nineteen ninety nine, it's actually twenty bucks but you are really and again they've proven this you are really thinking it's in the ten dollar area so one of the major things that I want to talk about is the idea of the price anchor or anchoring. Oh, um, yeah. And this says, I mean, first of all, the basically this says is the first number that gets thrown out, that is what gets held in everybody's heads. Oh. As like, it's like throwing the anchor off the ship. The ship can move around, but it's, but it's anchored mostly to that oh. point. And so it kind of sticks you there. This doesn't mean you go to a car dealership and say, I'll give you $10 for that car. <laughs> and they're going to say, make it 30 That's not going to happen. Um, but, but it does, if it's not an extreme situation, if you are sort of in the ballpark, then that price anchoring does work. It is an advantage if you are negotiating to be the first person Oh, to two. throw out a price. Yeah, because that because that anchors the discussion mm-hmm. nearer to your price. So, okay, so for example, you're at the flea market. Yeah. It has a sticker on it that says $50 or something. Well, so now, now the don't price has say, been anchored at 50 Well, what if yeah. you don't say 50 You're like, I'll give you 20 So you're like trying to anchor it lower. Oh, lower. Yeah. Yeah, get that's, the first... that's yeah. If it's if it's stickered, then uh, yeah, you can go up and say hey, I'll give you twenty bucks. But then you you know what the seller really wants is fifty, so you yeah. you do actually risk uh, offending them mm-hmm. at that point, making them not want to work with you, thinking that you're like lowballing them. Okay. So it has to be at that point. See, but the, then again, for you mentally, like the price is already. It's already fifty, so you're offering twenty. Yeah, which is where oh. if it wasn't stickered, you might offer five. That's some mind-twisting so, stuff. Okay, well, here's what's really going <laughs> to mess with you, is that the studies that they've done, you can get anchored to a number that isn't even the price of the item. It can huh. just be a random number. So they did, you know, and now now start looking for this in real life. They might say, this item is thirty nine ninety nine. And 50,000 people have taken us up on this deal so far. So you Mm. might see 50,000, even though it has nothing to do with Uh. price. And now your brain is thinking about the number 50,000. Stupid brain. Therefore, 49.99 sounds really low. (laughs) They they did a they did a study with college students and expensive bottles of wine, uh, figuring that college students wouldn't know what (laughs) expensive bottles of wine class. And they were like, okay, first. Recite your social security number. Don't I don't want you guys to do this. Okay. Okay. But they said first recite your social security number, and then then they showed them the wine and they said, "How much do you think this wine costs?" The students whose social security numbers ended in a <laughs> pair of higher digits no. guessed that the wine cost. It was literally like That's they great. would guess that the wine costs like twenty five thirty dollars. Oh my god! And the students, if their social security number ended in lower digits, they would guess that the wine costs like eight dollars, ten dollars. Because wow. they just they primed themselves. They they played themselves. Wait, wait. Wow. Say, say it again. Say it. So, because. So. They would recite their social security okay. number, and if their social security number ended in higher digits, so say like eighty nine, 
Yeah, they would guess that the wine was more expensive because they're that already, it ended in because they're thinking oh, about their oh, to high numbers. Wow! Yeah. So they might think, say, oh, ninety nine dollars, yep. and someone whose social security ends in zero one zero or twelve would be like, yeah. oh, it's gonna be like eight dollars. Yeah, yeah. Wow! Yeah. If you're going to buy something that have like four models, right, and like the cheapest model is like this is eight ninety nine. Mm-hmm. They don't really they know that no one's going to buy the cheap model, but they're just setting the anchor of the price, right? Just yeah. to sort of prime you. That's why this is this is on the a, mi- on a wine list at uh-huh. a restaurant. They'll put the really really expensive wines up at the top, so you can get a thousand dollars for a bottle of Ampere. And you see that, and you're like, well, I'm not going to spend that. Okay. And then you go down the list, right. and it's like, well, how about you spend three hundred dollars on this bottle? And you're like, okay, oh, well, that's, that's a, a good that's deal. A Oh, yeah. Okay. But if they yeah. do it the other way, you would start with the cheapest wines, and then you'd see you'd be like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll get a wine for eight dollars." Mm. Then you look down at the bottom, like a thousand. That's ridiculous. Uh, I get this one. That's, yeah. That's the order matters. The order matters. Yeah, order absolutely matters. Yep. They don't put. I mean, they don't put dollar signs front of a lot of these yeah, things because they don't want you to think. If you take the dollar sign away, it's not money anymore. <laughs> like that's that's a big thing. And these are all. The there's so many things. This is here's something that really totally blew my mind. This is from this abstract of this of a, of, a, of a study. Consumers non-consciously perceive that there is a positive relationship between uh, syllabic length and numerical magnitude. No. This oh, means, I believe it. I believe this it. This means that if I tell you that the price of something is um, $17.73 versus if I tell you that it's uh, 1801 you would perceive 1801 as being a cheaper price. Yeah. So the more syllables that that are in the numbers when you say it out loud, people absolutely, according to this study, perceive oh, that as being more expensive. I I I, I can believe it. that. Yeah. I can believe that, and I hate my brain for that seeming logical, but I can believe that. Yeah. Okay. So what are some negotiation techniques? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. I would never go up to somebody and say, "I see this. I see this a lot, and it's kind of sad." And I, and and it, but it's just like. Would you possibly be willing to go $4 on this? It's much better to state it as a fact, like, um, uh, I can do $4, uh, you know? And then to really create in the seller's mind a sense of urgency, oh, it's it's not $4 or he's going to pay me all the money. It's, this is the deal. And I'm going to walk away if you don't agree to this deal. I mean, you have to be able to to walk away. And even if you're not willing to walk away, you need to actually make it seem yeah. as if yeah. you're going to walk away. And my out, by the way, if they mm-hmm. were to say no, is to say, yeah, okay. I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess I'll do five bucks. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. Like I'm reconsidering what it was, even though I was totally going to pay $5. Um, also, definitely don't negotiate if the price is already way too cheap. Because that could backfire on you, right? Um, mm-hmm. well, what do you mean backfire? Don't, like, don't call, don't do? call attention to it. Don't right? call attention to it. If the price is a huge super steal, just pay him the money and get out. Don't try to negotiate it down because then what could happen is they might say, "Hmm, well, let me look it up to see what it goes for." Oh, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, like could, you don't no, want to, you don't want to, you don't want to prolong yeah. the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this I see all the time, and this is really true. Um, the idea of cash in the face. You know, if something is forty dollars and. And you say, mm. will you take 20? Don't just say, will you take 20? Literally get the $20 bill uh, out and have it uh, showing. And will you take this? It to them. 
and be like, "Will you oh, take twenty? You should do this. You should, yeah. <laughs> because at that point, you've created a situation where they're literally looking at the, the money. money. They're turning down money at that point. That's right. No. It's not yeah. abstract. It's actual money that's yeah. sitting right there. That, that's <laughs> do you want this money I in your hands? Again, so on the that. other side of this, if you're gonna have a yard sale, if you're gonna sell stuff, you know, this is the stuff to watch out for that you are you know make sure you're making the right decision and you're not sort of like yeah calling for these and be ready trips. for it My, the worst haggling experience i ever had uh i was in a i was in a thrift a vintage shop in portland oregon with my wife when we were traveling and they for whatever reason were having like a blowout of this like antiques and curios and random junk stuff and it was like everything must go, must go. so i found this cool old-timey you know it looked like it was from like maybe in the 20s um like a segmented folding dressmaker's ruler. And I'm like, oh, hey, this is really cool. How much is this? How much do you want for this? Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, make me an offer. Oh, geez. So I'm like, a dollar. Yeah. And the guy makes the most disgusted face, and he's like, fine. And I'm like, well, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, excuse me for insulting you. I'm like, here's your dollar. I'll take the ruler and leave. Yeah. Well, this is precisely the reason why when somebody says to you, you make me an offer, that's just putting you right in the driver's seat and you did the right thing. Because what what happens happens is if the seller is – I mean, honestly, as the seller, you really have a responsibility to, like, tell people what the price of something is. Because, like, I'll buy anything at the right price. It's like, like, well, do you want it or not? It's like, no, no, no. If I go into Target and everything was was 50 cents in Target, I'd buy all of it, right? Like, wouldn't you? Whether or not I want to buy something is not just about the thing. It's about the thing and also how much does it cost. Price elasticity of demand, <laughs> and I'm on a microeconomic level, being the micro being me, right? Yeah, yeah. As a seller, micro. you have to tell me how much it is because <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want it. Let's tell me how much it is. So that was precisely the the way to play it, Colin. Okay, all right, it. yeah, exactly. And again, <laughs> he did a bad job. Not you. And yeah. As a seller, don't want to Sell have to deal stuff. with that. Like, yeah. you to, like you set, you have to set the price. As the seller, it is to your advantage to set the prices on things. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why I walked out of there feeling guilty and ashamed. No. You know, I mean, I had a cool ruler, granted, but right. I have heard this story multiple times where somebody goes to a yard sale. They see a rare video game because that's, you know, that's what I buy. But they see a rare video game and it's like $200. And they're like, this is it. This is what I go yard sailing for. You know, I get up early in the morning and like I finally got the big score. And they're like, oh, it's marked $3. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the nice guy and I'm going to say to the person, hey – uh, this is worth more than three dollars, so I'm going to give you twenty bucks for uh, it. No. Uh, and I heard this story, and and what often happens is the person says, "What do you mean it's worth more than three dollars?" No. And then they look it up, mm. and, they're yeah. like, oh, no. and then they're like, yeah. "I'll take two hundred dollars and not a penny mm. less." Yeah. And then you've completely ruined the whole thing. It's not even really being a nice guy because you're still like you're Wait. still paying <laughs> way less. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm gonna rub it in your face a little bit. It's yeah. A way, it's it's sort of like a psychological way to. Uh, assuage your own guilt. You know what I mean? Do it yeah. after it's your yeah. property. 
And, you know, one of the really important things is that negotiation begins before you even know if there's anything that you want to buy. I mean, especially if you're walking up to a yard sale. Like, and this is an easy tip to give because it's just, it's just be a nice person. Do what you should do as a nice person, which is when you walk into somebody's driveway, look at them and say, hello, how's it going? <laughs> you might be already doing this. Well, yeah. if you're already doing this, that's great. You're very nice. And also it's an excellent negotiation tactic yep. because yep. if you skulk up into somebody's property and you ignore them and you don't look at them and you don't say hi and you don't make any gestures toward them and the first interaction you want to have with them is to walk up to them and say like hey we take five bucks for this like (laughs) you're going to be in a much worse situation than the person who showed up and was nice and said hello because that's the beginning of the greasing of the wheels that Mm, of the economy it's like a machine yeah you're also paying them by letting them help you because people get high off of that too Mm, so mm. you're like hello i'm a nice person you want to be a nice person to me that's a that's the dana manipulation <laughs> like my negotiating yeah, yeah. the sweet yeah, poison also, <laughs> you'll never get anything unless you ask if you i mean if you do if you go to a flea market and you see something sitting there and it's marked 50 dollars, and you think oh that's cool but i would only buy it for 20 dollars. i mean really you have to you have to know like what your top dollar is and then you can say to that person hey would you take 20 and they might say yes yeah, yeah. they might say no but they might say no only because they think that you're going to start raising your offer higher. If you want it, just throw out a price and then they might say no. And then you say, okay. And you put it down and you walk away and like sometimes before you get two steps away, they will be like, okay, no. And you'll call their bluff. And they'll and they'll take it. Does it work if you're like, oh, I only have twenty? No, never do that. Don't do that. If it's if it's true, oh, wait, are you yeah. talking about lying or telling the truth? Telling <laughs> the truth, like you you said, I can give you twenty for this. Yeah. I, I like it, and they're like, yeah. no, and you're like, I only have twenty dollars. Yeah, um, like, yes, sometimes that yeah. can work. If you literally okay. take out your whole entire wallet and you open you're it up like, and there's only twenty, and you're you. just like, <laughs> and you're like, I'm actually serious. I don't have any more money. Like this is all I have. Yeah, that can actually then they know you're not bluffing, uh-huh. but. Definitely don't do that if you actually have more money. Well, there is Chris's negotiation. Oh, I like it. Oh, 101. We should go on a field trip to the flea market. Oh, I yeah. Try See it, out. it in action. Yeah. yeah. See it out in the wild. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, my turn. Because you suggested the, actually the title of the topic. I which did. Is, Let's make a deal. Yes. First thing I thought was game shows. Of course. Of course. Game oh shows. God. A famous game show. But not they, Let's Make a Deal. They revive Let's Make a Deal. Yeah. Brady. yeah. Wayne Brady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. I felt inspired. And so I have some questions and facts about game shows. All right. And I apologize to our, our non-U.S. listeners, our international listeners, because this is kind of U.S.-centric. But some of these shows have versions 
Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple, like, different versions in different countries. I've been yeah. surprised traveling internationally what game shows have popped up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, either in a in a localized version or just imported straight from America. And, yeah, and surprisingly, a lot of the reality and game shows we get here are all based on another oh yeah well like all the all the yeah well this uh, i'm not gonna say too much this might be in your quiz oh, yeah, no, no. yeah. Like, like, like all the endemol shows right the, all that yeah the weakest link was, yeah. was british um mm-hmm. shark tank even though that's not a game show it's a reality show it's a speculative reality show right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh let's write down our answers oh. Oh. uh listeners if you're here you go if you're oh, thank you. driving or on commute, shout out your answer. <laughs> freak, pe- freak other people out. <laughs> you roll down the window, just shout it. Call 911. Passersby. Call 911, yell out the answer. No, don't no. do that. Don't you pressed your luck. <laughs> I don't know. The lady, she was just shouting, press your luck, and she drove by. I don't know. <laughs> going, to a, going to a bank. Who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> um, so you guys got your pens and paper ready. Here we go. Uh, speaking of international versions... What show was originally created in the Netherlands called, uh, uh, translated, Hunt of Millions? Hunt of Millions? Yeah. And it is not an obvious answer. Oh. Hmm. The word million is not in the American in the, in, in the title of the American. Hunt of Millions. Hunt. Hunt. Okay. 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 All right. Locked in. No. Wait, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> no. No. I'm hit. not. It's it's hunt. Hunt. The worst hunt. question. It's probably describing the game mechanic. Hunt. Okay. I'm a game designer. <laughs> I show up. <laughs> it is a clue. Right. Oh, I don't know. I, oh, I, I'm right. so inside my own head. I don't know. Okay. All right. Hey. Answers up. Colin, you say. Mm, uh, weakest link. Dana. Deal or no deal. Wheel of Fortune. It is deal or no deal. Ah. Because you're hunting the hunting money. for the millions. That's the, one, that's the one with yep. the suitcases, right? The briefcases. Uh, yeah. Or briefcases. Follow-up question. That was, a, okay. that was a real big thing okay. for a couple of years. Yeah, it yeah. was. It yeah. was. Follow-up question. How many briefcases are featured in deal or no deal? Oh. And there's 20-something. Yeah, you almost said the answer. I almost said <laughs> Narrows it down. <laughs> Answer's up. All right. 20-something was your clue. I said 27. 28. 26. 26! Dana's killing it. And, yeah, it was really big. and actually spurred a lot of mathematicians and statisticians um, and probability experts in in kind of figuring out what their algorithm Mm, was. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Uh, Next question. In some of these, I will actually ask an example question from the game show. Oh. Double part. So here's one from a, a, a favorite, Price is Right. Yes. Daytime favorite. I love yeah. The Price is Right. Price is Right is a show about uh, price, pricing, knowing the prices of, of random things um, and estimating. Mostly, so, mostly things you would find at the supermarket yes. in general. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Um, or grocery stores. Lots of pool tables. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not 100%. Cars, it's not 100%. Sets, it's not 100%. Uh, very, yeah. Entertainment centers. Yeah, very homey, homey yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and they have yeah. a lot of mini yeah. games you can play. So why don't you guys tell me what you think the price of a Tide bucket of Tide Pods Ooh. Turbo Laundry Detergent Packs uh-huh. for an 81-load tub. 
Eight, so eighty one pods. So it's eighty. It yeah. says eighty one load. So I yeah. Think, yeah. I okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you okay. Can't, Each you pod can't is do per a load. half a pod. Or That's true. Oh, challenge accepted, yeah. Chris. Tide pods are those candy colored. <laughs> so <laughs> delicious. They look so Willy Wonka. Tide pods, spring meadow scent. Okay. To be specific, turbo laundry detergent pack. 81 load tub. What is the price of that? And just so everybody knows, I got this from uh, Amazon. Okay. Uh, oh, so it might be a lower. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, Colin. I said $14.99. $14. $17.99. Correct answer is $18.97. Oh. oh. I go to the showcase showdown. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. On Price is Right, we see a lot of cars. Right, yeah. uh, they will. Yes, you yes. can win a brand new car. Yeah. A brand new car. Cars get shown more often during a, the show uh, than other prizes because the show gets paid a flat fee every time the car appears. Right, it's so an ad. It's yeah, like an it's ad ever. for the car. So it's like a, it you win a Chevy yeah. this, and then yeah. they keep and they get like, and they list uh, all the features: features air conditioning yeah, yeah, yeah. and DVD really entertainment. Cool. Yeah, right. Air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, fancy, Mr. Fancy, a millionaire's car. Next, you're gonna tell me it's got windows. I read something about the prices right recently. It was that you have to pay taxes on uh, you do. your yeah. prize. Yeah. You do. Everything. So yeah. sometimes Every people were yeah. turning down prizes because they don't want to pay yes. the taxes on it. That's right. I've, al- they- I've also heard that most people, by and large, will take the cash equivalent for like these that's, large, that's, for that's, these large, yeah, happens. for like these large value prizes. It's a brand new car or a check for. You know, right. whatever. Or it's yeah. like you're going yeah. on vacation. Right. Or we'll just give yeah. you the money. Because yeah. then they take it and they, they pay yeah. the taxes out of it and they get the rest. Yeah. Do you need this boat? No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, I live in an apartment. Where am I going to put a boat? I read that there, there are also people outside the studio of taping and, and offering. To oh, buy really? It off of you. Like yeah, if yeah. you win something, I'll buy it from you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like reverse scalpers. <laughs> it's just like a dude just They're like just waiting. pulling a boat home at the end of the day, just up a hill. All right. Next uh, game show related question. What game show features the song called Time for Tony? Time for Tony? Time for Tony. Tony who? Yeah, interesting. Time for Tony. All right, answers up. Colin. I feel good about my guess, which is Jeopardy. I put Jeopardy as well. What is Jeopardy? Correct, it is Jeopardy. Uh, Now it's rebranded as The Think! Exclamation point. Uh, That's the title of the song. (laughs) Oh, yeah, if you want to buy, like, the 12-inch remix of it or something. Yeah, Yeah. 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 the the club remix. Yeah, the 24-minute version. We all know it was uh, written by Merv Griffin. Uh, He wrote it as a lullaby for a son. Really? Oh. I think I've heard that. Yeah. So yeah. you can you it's kind see of in your head, it's very like yeah. lullaby-ish. Um, it lightly infringes on uh, I'm a Little Teapot. You know, just a, a little bit. A little bit. Pour me out. Yeah. Uh, Griffin estimated that royalties from the theme song earned him about... Seventy million. Yeah, yeah. I bet. That, you know, uh, royalties amazing. from a song he wrote for his own show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that man. That is, he's the king. He did a good job. He's the king. Yeah. And speaking of which, I have a final Jeopardy question. This oh, was okay. uh, from a, a few months ago. All right. So, so okay. ho- hopefully, you guys didn't watch that episode. No. Uh, so here's a final Jeopardy question. All right. Created in 1971. 
This company's logo has been likened to a wing and was supposed to connote motion. And pour me out. Boom, boom. Little kettle drum there at the end. I don't. Colin, you say. I believe it's Nike. Dana? I put Alair. Chris? What is <laughs> Nike? Nike. It yeah. is Nike. Yes, the wings of Nike, the goddess of victory. Yes. Okay. As I... my art history professor would pronounce it. Nike. 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 Milwaukee. Conquered for All right. Next game show. We're moving on to the Wheel of Fortune. Mm. Wheel of Fortune. Old style Wheel of Fortune. Uh, it's a letter. Each letter has a tile, and Vanna White has to flip. Yeah. Right now it's all touchscreen. Mm, right. Right. So how many touchscreen monitors are there oh, on a Wheel of Fortune board? Jeez. Oh, if you can think about how many lines yeah, and you kind of estimate. Is it two or three rows? Dana, tell me. <laughs> I can tell you the answer okay. to that. How many monitors are there? So if you fill it up all with letters. Ah, I'm trying to count the letters. Just give me an estimate. Chris is locked in. I'm locked in. <laughs> they're counting. I'm not confident, but they're locked in. 36. We have to write 200 letters. Oh, oh, right now. I thought, we were in the, I thought we were in the what's your answer stage. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to write down a different number. That's what I got. That's what I I wrote down 36. I wrote down 36. This is 60. <laughs> the answer is... 52. Uh, Chris wins again for close. He went over. So, yeah. so, so, <laughs> this is a uh, Wheel of Fortune. Okay. So it, in case of anyone, it's four rows. Oh, yeah, it's that's four I, rows. I thought it was four. Uh, yeah. First row is it's 12, 14, 14, 12. Uh, oh, okay. it's not even symmetrical. Or I guess okay. symmetrical, but wow, it's not that's, balanced. I was calculating it based on four rows of 15 each. Oh, so, wow. yeah. yeah. You're close. You're okay. Close. All right. Next game show. What game show lets losing contestants keep their jaunty... Colored sweaters. Wait. So they might not win a prize, but losers will take home what they're wearing to the sh- on the show. A jaunty, <laughs> like like a like a. This isn't right, but this is. They definitely have uniforms. They wear. What yeah, I'm down. think think of a show and they wear uh, uniforms, huh? Or or you know team team color yeah. things. It's a sweater for sure. That's a sweater. This is a Karen uh, Karen Chu childhood favorite oh, game show. Maybe I got it right. We'll see. Uh, that, uh, that, right. that helps. Not me. for kids, oh. right? Oh, really? Right. Not for kids. Oh, oh, oh. I think because I, <laughs> I know everybody's like, "Where is crew? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" Is not. Everybody had a okay. Hold on. You said not for kids. Not, not for kids. kids. I've never heard of that, so I'd never write that down anyway. Um, it's <laughs> not for kids. kids. It was a Karen Chu favorite. And they wore colorful sweaters. Sweaters. All right. I don't know. I have no idea. Lock I, it in. All right. I wrote ca- couch potatoes. I've never heard of that show. Supermarket wrote, sweep. I wrote double dare. I originally wrote double dare. Yeah. But you said not for kids. It yeah. is supermarket sweep. Yeah. What? Really? Whoa. Yes. What is this show? Huh. You don't. You don't know, yeah, know supermarket is. sweep. It's the best. I don't know. It's so great. I'm, it is, I, I'm it ignorant. Is, it is a game show surrounding supermarket culture. <laughs> oh, like, it's so set have, in a supermarket. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, fake supermarket. And then, uh, there's like trivia rounds where you're trying to match like the jingle to the brand. Or you do little and, word puzzles. You know what? Puzzles. And then the last part is the best part. Yeah. You get a shopping cart and you have like a time. 
find you okay. know, the most expensive stuff in your You know cart. what? I've seen yeah. I've seen parodies of this yes. show, maybe with like on SNL with like Melissa McCarthy or somebody without yeah, realizing. Yeah. Okay, I did a all parody right. of it. Okay, the show ah. is. Very addictive. Yeah. I'll, I'll have and to check it out. And it's a fake supermarket filled <laughs> yeah. with fake meat and fake cheeses. It looks real, but... Yeah. yeah, what do you have to do? You just have to, like... You have to... At the end, you have to... There's certain items that are scattered throughout the supermarket that, that are gives worth you, more yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You but to you have to, it. like... But you have to get a, a, above a certain amount of yeah. money, right? At, yeah. So you a pick the, like, the expensive things. Like, steaks and yeah, the big giant cheese. Yeah, big yeah. cheese. Diapers. Yeah. You, ground, yeah, you have to grind the coffee to get the coffee. So, yeah, and, and each contestants, like, there's three teams, and they all have, like, oh, wow. all right. uniforms, yeah. basically. I'm going to have to check it out. Like, oh, you wow. watch it, and then you're like, what I, I would do. What my I, I love supermarkets. I will have yes. to check it, this it out. Is, yes. You, you know what, Dana? You're absolutely right. That show absolutely nailed the feeling of they're doing it wrong and this is what I, I, yeah, I would I do would, I would yeah. yeah. yep, 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 yep. Yep. if you were to be on a game show which game show would you want to be oh man mm. what oh, if you picked one? Jeopardy me now oh Jeopardy really yeah I Jeopardy freaks me out Double Dare because A trivia is so easy on that show <laughs> yeah. we would always be like oh you should Double Dare us I don't know and then like the answer and then, just, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. and then you make it, it to the last yep. and then you have like a whole strategy for the obstacle do you think course. you could get your family on family Double Dare Dana you think your mom and dad would be down for that <laughs> we shouldn't do that <laughs> we would lose like the obstacle course I would choose I would choose Supermarket Sweep would be real fun. Kermit San Diego, uh, I mean, but as an adult, I can't play it because I'm not no. a kid. Right, uh, right, yeah. Uh, Crystal Maze, which is a UK show. It's kind of oh, like yeah. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Mm. Oh. Uh, That'd be cool. Crystal Maze. So UK listeners, I remember that show. I used to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, well, that's my Let's Make a Deal game show quiz. I wish I was fit enough to be on American Ninja Warrior. Oh, I love oh, it. That would yeah. be it's so fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. So when we settled on the topic of let's make a deal, you yes. Told when us. I proposed yeah, it uh, internally, yeah. I was thinking it's not. Can I find a funny sports contract weird trivia nugget to share? It was which funny crazy <laughs> sports contract nugget should I share? Sure. Okay. Because I mean, sports negotiations. Oh yeah, it's so much money is at stake. You know, millions and millions of dollars, and all these really weird kind of Byzantine rules about salary caps and just how much you can pay a player, and mm. you know they're locked in, and you get yeah. into these crazy negotiations with agents. And- so I have a story for you guys about uh, some interesting funny, controversial, crazy Ooh. sports contracts. Uh, but this is all related to one player and one team, the Mets. Okay. So this segment is called Mets Make a Deal. <laughs> no! And I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, all right. Uh, so one of the great things about sharing sports stuff with you guys is that I can be like 99% sure that unless we're talking about a household name, you have no idea who I'm talking about, which is great. It's great. Yeah. You guys are the tabula rasa of sports minds. stories. Right, right. right. Yeah. Unless it's Michael Jordan or like Tiger Woods or right. Yeah. So I'm guessing and hoping uh, that you guys may not be familiar with the baseball player Bobby Bonilla. I've, I've heard his name. Okay. All right. Well, that's I'll take that. Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. He, he's famous. He's, he's sure. well known. Bobby Bonilla 
is associated with not one, but two of the most controversial deals the Mets have ever made, one of which has actually reverberated even beyond the world of sports. Oh. Yeah. How's that? All right. So this year, uh, the New York Mets paid Bobby Bonilla $1.2 million. Now, that's – I mean, that's – you know, I mean, to, to I us, know. to yeah. us, that's a lot of money. But you know, for 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 a star baseball player, that's that's, that's a fairly much. modest number yeah, okay. one one point two million a year. Um, but that's at, just getting by. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. just you know walking around money. Mm-hmm. Um, but at one point in his career, Bobby Bonilla was actually the highest paid player in all of Major League Baseball. Wow! Um, wow! This was with the Mets uh, on on his first go round with the Mets. Now. So he was paid $1.2 million this year. He's had some great deals in the past. Now, before we go any further, though, there's one other detail you should know. Um, although he shows up on their payroll. He's a dog. <laughs> there's no rule that says a dog can't play baseball. Uh, Bobby Bonilla is not a dog. Bobby Bonilla is a normal human man, uh-huh. a New York native. Um, uh, but even though he's on their payroll, he won't actually be on the Mets roster this year. Mm-hmm. In fact... Bobby Bonilla has not played a game for the New York Mets since 1999. Whoa. Okay. What? He's a person. We're talking about a pretty good deal here. This guy's getting paid uh, Uh $1.2 million and is not even uh, having to lace him up here. Um, All right. Let's back up a little bit here. I want I want you guys to readjust your minds to the 1990s. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Easy. Okay. Right. Okay. So Bobby Bonilla had been in the league for a few years uh, already. By the time we get to the early yes. 1990s, um, and you know he had kind of a rough start. He overcame a lot of obstacles uh, as a, as a rookie, but he he was he was definitely a star on the rise. He was a, a solid hitter, a smart hitter, most importantly, putting up really good numbers, uh, and that's always a great thing to do right before you're a free agent. Because when your contract is expiring, uh, you want to be playing really well. Because then it's like, all right, league, you know, I'm open watch, to all offers. Yeah. Exactly. But then are you playing poorly when you don't care? Like when you don't have a contract coming up? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to name any names, but across all yes. sports, there are definitely lots of examples really? of uh, players who get a little fat and satisfied. Yeah, I mean, if you sign, you know, a five-year, multi-million-dollar contract, yeah, you know, to a cynical person, it's like you show up that next year, you're like, all right, well. I've got my money. I can kind of relax a little no, bit. You and, always have to be. All right. Until I, the last year, your contract is up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Bobby Bonilla had a lot of interest before the 1992 season and ultimately ended up signing a five-year, $29 million contract oh. with the New York Mets. Now, and as I say, uh, that made him the highest paid player in all of baseball. All right. Uh So, you know, $6 million a year, give or take. Uh, The salaries have since, of course, gone even higher in the time between. But but that was not only objectively a lot of money now, but relative to other players, that was a lot of money. You know, and everyone's kind of looking at the Mets like, whoa, okay, you're giving him how much? All right, he's good, but how much? Unfortunately, the New York Mets that year were... Uh, not good. Yeah. Not good. They were not good. They went 72 and 90 that year. And mm. losing in New York City as a way of exacerbating <laughs> <laughs> situations, as you, as you guys can probably imagine, you yeah. are constantly under the spotlight in New York. And, you know, for all sports teams, when, if you sign the highest paid player in your sport, oh, 
there's a lot of expectations. It's yeah. like, okay, well, let's yeah. see it. What are, what are we getting for all this money that we're, you know, fans like to say we. You know, we see how much we're paying him this year, you know, yeah, as if yeah. the fans are contributing. I mean, in a way, they are. They're buying tickets to the games. The Mets did not have a good season that year. And the criticism, a, a big chunk of the criticism fell on his head. It's like, hey, man, what are we paying you for? And he was having a good year. You know, he, he was, his you know. His performance was good. People, people can now, in retrospect, I've, you know, I'm certainly not a baseball guy, but people who know more about baseball than I do can look back now and say, yeah, you know what? For the money they paid him, it was a lot of money, but he, you know, they, they sucked, but it wasn't his fault. But, you know, big money has a way of drawing attention. So he was getting a lot of criticism. The team was getting a lot of criticism. And ultimately, unfortunately, they just decided, you know what? We need to part ways. You know, we're, if we're paying you this much money and we're not winning, you know, what do we have to show for it? Wait, can you do that? Sure, you can trade players away. You know, you have all kinds of ways of parting have, ways with players. But you have a con. Sure, you have a contract, right? So you can trade somebody, and then the okay. new team then takes on the terms of that oh, player's contract, okay. Oh, okay. right? Sure. You know, there are some other scenarios we'll get to in just a second. Actually, I'm glad I'm glad you're you're leading me here ahead. And you know, they were still getting flack for this for this huge contract from their fans, from sports yeah. writers, you know, from other teams because other teams are like. Thanks a lot, Mets. You know, now that you've anchored the price of a star uh, player yeah. at 29, you know, million other players are coming to me and say, "Well, if he's getting 29 million, and I, they're not I, even winning." That's I, right. I, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. So, you know, in some way a rising tide uh lifts, lifts all boats, boats in yeah. professional sports. So, Bobby Bonilla bounced around for the next few years, and he had some good seasons after he left the Mets, actually. I mean, I he won a World Series in the process, I should say. He was on the 1997 uh, Marlins team that won the World Series. And wouldn't you know it, got traded, moved around. He ends up back with the New, New York, York Mets. Mets. Back with baseball's New York Metropolitans. Uh-huh. Yes, the Mets. Well, what could go wrong this time, right? Uh-huh. Sadly, a lot could go wrong this time. Uh, oh. Once again, the team was in a period where they were underperforming, Man. and Benia again faced a lot of criticism. And you know, honestly, this time a lot of it was fair. His numbers were just not as good as they had been. He was getting older; his production was declining. Okay. Um, he was fighting with the manager. He was, there was an, there was a, a famous incident in the 1999 playoffs where, while the Mets were out on the field being eliminated from the league championship series. So this is what where you play to go to the World Series, all right? They were out on the field losing. Bobby Bonilla was in the clubhouse playing cards Ooh. with Ricky Henderson, uh. um, another <laughs> controversial player. Ricky Henderson. He wasn't playing in that game. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, it, right. Yeah, so, but that, that's not a good look, to be in the clubhouse no. playing cards no. while your teammates are you know, busting their butts that's on the field losing. They're getting toward the end of the 99 season, and the Mets are like, we, we got to part ways. We're, we're paying you too much Man. money. It's not working out. Um, the Mets owed him $5.9 million oh, for the upcoming season. That's right. So they, they flatly did not want to pay him this money. They were very upfront. You know, every, you know he and his agent <laughs> knew. Um, so what are their options? You can, you can trade him. All right, but that means you've got to find someone who's willing to take on that salary. And at this point of his career, that was not looking too likely. You can just release him and eat the money. I mean, you yeah. can just say, all right, you're done. Here's a check. Go away. And now we have a spot in our but roster. But they have that money. But th- that's ex- Right, exactly. But that's expensive. Yeah. And you kind of cringe at that. Ultimately, in this situation, what they ended up doing was negotiating a very creative deal with Bobby Bonilla and his agent. Okay. That people are still talking about to this very day. That people are going to be talking about 
until 2035. Oh, my God. Bobby Bonilla and his agent went to the Mets, and they said, all right, you you owe us $5.9 million. We, out. we will take a decade-long deferral on this money. You don't need to pay us a dime. Okay. We'll, 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 with some interest, but beginning in 2011, you will pay Bobby Bonilla $1.2 million every year until 2035. So essentially, they set up like an annuity kind of style payment yeah, for yeah, him. Yeah. Totally new for baseball. Like this is just such yeah. a crazy situation. All right. When all the payments were said and done, Bobby Bonilla stands to make $29.8 million. With, because of interest. Over yeah. the extended period and interest, right, over what would have been a seed payment originally of $5.9 million. All right. So the Mets, they wanted a roster spot. They're like, we, we have our eye on someone we want to bring in. So we need a roster spot. And we want to have money to pay this guy to bring in. So yeah. this is great for us. It saves a little bit of money. We can pay this new guy. Bobby Bonilla, if you're willing to wait, you know, God bless you. You'll set yourself up for life. You'll be fine. But, but, but this is kind of crazy. This is a lot of money to be deferred, right? And like over a long time period. I mean, sometimes you'll defer for a, a year or two, right? Okay. So um, why would a team do this? Why would a team defer this much money over this long a period, a over a decade, and then pay it pay out twenty nine point eight million dollars instead of five point nine million dollars? So you know, people around baseball kind of just shook their heads. They're like, yeah. "There go those Mets again, just doing crazy Mets deals." You know, uh, just hmm. penny wise, pound foolish, maybe. Right, because because it sounds. Like Uninter robbing future you to pay current you. It you know, does. It's like, well, I don't yeah. want to pay six million dollars, <laughs> but I'll make me from thirty years from now end up paying twenty nine million dollars over that course of time. It yeah, doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Are you going to tell us why it actually makes sense, Chris? As it turns no. out, <laughs> it makes no, no sense. End of episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as it as it turns out, the owners of the New York Mets were among the most prominent investors with Bernie Madoff, uh, the legendary New York financial yeah. fraudster who ran a massive, mm -hmm. massive Ponzi scheme for decades, who had huge millionaire, billionaire clients. All right. So the Ponzi scheme, again, very quickly is basically you're taking money from new investors to pay the old investors and you're lying to them and telling them like, oh, I've got these great investments working for you, getting huge rates mm -hmm. of return. The Mets had as many as 500 accounts with Bernie Madoff and for years, they were getting returns of 12 to 18% wow. on their money, mm -hmm. okay? That's they, a lot. That's a lot. That's a huge rate of right. return. Yeah. Right. And it was essentially guaranteed. So the New York Mets had this side revenue stream yeah. whereby they figured, okay, well, we can invest this $6 million with Bernie Madoff, and by the time we have to pay Bobby Bonilla, no. we're going to have made $70 million on this money. And they they had it all worked out. And it turns out they've been doing this for years, of course, right, right. which yeah. is why you back up a little bit. One reason they were so willing to spend so much money in the 90s, they had approximately $500 million invested with Bernie Madoff. Oh, my God. Like when he was busted and it all went belly oh. up. Yeah. You almost don't want to really call them victims because they were making a lot of money. Yeah. You know, they were they were the old investors getting paid off with new victims' right, money. Right, right. Don't worry about Bobby Mania. 
His money is safe. His money is covered. Yes. Uh, In the aftermath of the Bernie Madoff fallout, the Mets actually had to borrow money from Major League Baseball itself just to make payments. That's how bad it was when things finally hit the fan there at the end. And so Bobby Bonilla, again, so he is now, what are we? uh, He's got his, uh, we're now in the sixth year of his 25 years of payments. I love the idea that in, in 2035... All right. Yeah. He's going to be in his 70s. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, right. how old yeah. is he going like, to be? Th- there are going to be people on the. Now, does he have to show up? He doesn't have to do anything. Oh, no, okay. just he does. Name. So he actually played for a couple of years after the Mets and he agreed to this deal. Uh-huh. He was at the end of his career. His last couple of years were not terribly productive. He finally retired, you know, two years after that and was just sitting and waiting. He's doing fine just yeah. now. Okay. He actually, in a deliciously uh, poetic coda to the story, he, he actually now works for Major League Baseball, uh, advi- advising young players on how to be financially savvy. Oh, oh I mean, because oh. he won the lottery. Mike yeah. yeah. Great work, Bobby Bonilla's Bobby agent. Bonilla and his agent. Let's make a deal. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, Wonderful. yeah. Do not worry for him. Yeah, collecting no. that million dollar. cry for Bobby Bonilla. Every July, He's he fine. gets a nice check from the New York Mets organization. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, next time you uh, take a new job somewhere, ask for the Bobby Bonilla deal, which is where you get to retire. (laughs) And 35 years later, you're still getting a million bucks a year. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Okay, I have a a little deal grab bag for you guys. Grab bag quiz, that is. Let's do write down. Let's do write down. All right, to to get the the U.S. history, the dreaded U.S. history question out of the way, I'll I'll make that one first. (laughs) What is the name for the series of programs instituted in the U.S. to help the country recover from the Great Depression? Oh, is this too obvious? No, probably not. I hope not, because I'm writing the obvious answer. Everyone wrote New Deal. The New Deal. The New Deal. The New Deal. Yeah, the New Deal was uh, a Roosevelt joint. Was the term New Deal coined before or after Roosevelt took office? Oh. What do you, what, what is that? Like? So um, did Roosevelt propose the New Deal like as a kind of a solution for fixing it before he was in office or oh. after he was in office? Oh, oh, yeah. you can do that after you're not president anymore? Oh, like no, no, before no, he took office. Oh, oh, like after camp- he got elected. Campaigning, right? Campaigning yeah, yeah, over yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Campaign slogan oh. or was it a... Exactly. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I said before, I think it was a campaign. Thing. It feels like it. I put campaign. I put campaign. Uh, he he said it uh, during the convention when he accepted the presidential nomination. Oh, oh yeah. man, so, that's, a, that's a good bomb yeah. to drop. Yeah. He didn't, <laughs> yeah, that's right. he didn't right. know yeah. that that was going to be the line. He didn't know that people were going to hook into Oh, really? It the oh. New Deal. He wasn't planning it to be like a la- people latch onto it. No. he Neither he nor the speechwriter thought it was going to be the, the line. The line was just like, I, I feel like we need a new deal, yeah, right? Or something. Need, it was very American, okay. The American people yeah. need a new deal. And then they're like... Yes, we need a Market. new deal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
What's the name of the protagonist from the classic German folktale who sold his soul to the demon Metastopheles? And his name is the adjective for these types of deals, actually. I know you know it. It's in your punch bowl, Karen, for sure. What? Read the question again. What is the name of the protagonist from a, a classic German folktale who sold his soul to the demon Metastopheles? And so his name is the adjective for deal with the devil okay. tropes. Yeah. I wrote fut. Uh, <laughs> it's Faust. I wrote, Faust. And I wrote Faust. Faust. Faustian bargain. Faustian bargain. Yeah. Uh, what Stephen King book that was turned into a film in 1993 it was about a demon who um, spent centuries traveling around the world tricking people into selling their soul for things. Stephen King novel made into a movie. Yeah. 93. 93. That's cool. Oh, that is late. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't think I'm right, but I wrote the Tommyknockers. I put me Joe Black. Oh, no, no, Chris has it. Yeah, Chris has it. Chris has it. Yeah. This is is the Stephen King hole that I would fall into. Yeah. Yeah. The demon, he'd be like, here's the rarest Nintendo game. And be like, (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to get it, Chris. (laughs) You're like, yes. Sold. There's a really good Rick and Morty episode based on needful things. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. So this one is just a word, kind of a word question. A cheesemonger sells cheese. A fishmonger <laughs> sells fish. Uh-huh. What does a costermonger sell? Oh. Coster. Spell yeah. it. C-O-S. C-O-S-T-E-R-M-O-N-G-E-R. Fishmonger. What's the other example? Cheesemonger. Cheesemonger. There's also ironmonger. Mm-hmm. But what's Coster. <laughs> I put cult. I put custard. I put clo- I put clothing, like maybe costume. Yeah, oh. these are all things that crossed my mind when I saw that word. <laughs> it's actually uh, fruit and vegetables. Huh. Custer is a type of apple. There was a type of apple. Costermonger. Yeah. That's a good one to know. You just know. know it or you don't. Yeah. Which fitness guru popularized the deal a meal diet? Oh. Deal a meal. Yeah. Oh. It's where you had uh, cards and they had like different oh. serving sizes or different kinds of foods you can eat and you would spend your cards throughout the day. Yeah. I'm waiting for Colin to lock in. I think I have this. Okay. Oh, I know I have this. What do you got? Oh, I wish I wrote what Chris wrote. I put I, Richard I, Simmons. I wrote Jack LaLanne, but yeah. I, I wish I had written Richard it's, Simmons. It's the it Richard is. Simmons yeah. deal. Oh, God. As, as shown yeah. on every infomercial. Yeah. 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 What five-word marketing phrase was first used by economists Joseph Calderon and John Van Liu while running their highly profitable business, Paco's Tacos, in central New Jersey? <laughs> It's a five-word marketing phrase. Five-word marketing phrase. Five-word. <laughs> it's oh. not no shirt, no shoes, no service. That's, <laughs> six words. It's a good one. It's not wow. really marketing. Five-word marketing phrase. Wow, Karen. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Marketing phrase. Works for tacos. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes, yeah. that's right. Okay. That's yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so buck stops. Yeah. Uh, you want crunchy or soft? 
Yeah, you know that. Buy one, get one. Dang it. Bogo. Buy one, get one free. Bogoff. Bogoff. Paco's Tacos. All right. Yeah. So what two-word phrase describes entering a binding agreement by intertwining the fifth phalanges with another person? Oh. There's a couple possible answers for this. I think there's only one answer. Pinky swear. Pinky swear. Pinky swear. Pinky swear. swear. Yeah. Yeah. Pinky promise also. Oh, really? I've never heard that. That's the alt. Yes. Pinky promise. promise. That must be a Connecticut saying. No, no, no. no. We know it's a pinky swear. A breakable vow. <laughs> An unbreakable <laughs> vow. Let's see your wands. Inter- and, uh, your souls intertwine. Right, right, right. Good job, you guys. Okay. All right. So I, 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 I could only think of one way to, to end this, uh, which is to talk about the thing we all want to happen when we go when we get up early on that Sunday morning and head out to that flea market. You know, we, <laughs> we, we head, go to the garage sale. You want to find the big score. And so here are some of the biggest garage sale flea market scores in history. Oh, nice, nice. nice. Um, one of these we, we, we actually talked about on the show before. Fabergé Egg? Fabergé Egg, yeah. yes, exactly. There was a scrap metal dealer went to a flea market, found an objet d'art, um, which was a golden egg, and he's like, oh, this is gold and jewels. I'll buy this and I'll scrap it. And then he realized it wasn't really worth the scrap value. Like, he paid a couple thousand dollars, but it was too much. So mm-hmm. it just sat in his kitchen, and then one day he realized um, that it was, in fact, a Fabergé Egg. It was one of the <laughs> birthday eggs made for the Russian czars, and uh, he just happened to have it and um it sold for oh you know a couple million dollars it was just ridiculous bobby wow. bobby Benilla money yeah, yeah. so yeah. but yeah. this this sometimes uh, happens in other situations too 1989 a guy went to a um a pennsylvania flea market bought a picture didn't like the picture but he liked the frame starts to uh get to you know kind of taking the picture out of the frame frame falls apart so now he's, now he's got nothing. He's got a crappy frame that fell apart. Like, yeah. He's got a painting he doesn't like. Uh, but it, but be, between the picture and the frame was a folded up piece of paper. <gasps> um, this folded up piece of paper was called a Dunlap Broadside. The Dunlap Broadside was one of the first 500 copies that were ever made of the Declaration of yeah. Independence. You're kidding yeah, me. I remember reading about this one. Yep, yep. Who hid it there? The previous owner... Like, it was just must have been in a family for a really long time, and, and they just... put it in the picture frame. Yeah, it sold for, uh, in 1991 dollars, it sold for $2.5 million. Um, nice. Or two banias. Two banias years. The new unit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's in 1991, yeah. by the way. In 2000, it was sold again uh, to TV producer Norman Lear, the creator really? of All in the Family. Bought it for $8 million. Took it on a nationwide tour oh, um, yeah. where you could go see it. Good and, for uh, him. He, he still owns it. Yeah, yeah, he That's did a good cool. uh, good job with it. Uh, something that costs a little bit less money but is a very historically important thing. 2004, a guy in Chelsea, New York, looking through records at a yard sale. Um, he finds a record with a handwritten label that read... Velvet Underground 42566. It's like, oh yeah, the Velvet Underground. I should, you know, pick this up. Yeah, turns out to be an an acetate, so a temporary record that would have been, you know, put down for like just temporary, like purposes in the recording studio. It's something you could, you just make it in the recording studio, you know, just to Mm -hmm. have, but it wasn't a professionally pressed record. But it was 
early demos from the album The Velvet Underground and Nico, which is the one with the the album with the Andy Warhol banana, banana on the yeah. cover. You could peel the banana. Peel yeah. and see. Um, yeah. But it was but it was never before heard early versions of these songs, and it oh. sold for twenty six thousand dollars. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Um, and let's see. Uh, 2007 family in New York buys a little bowl at a garage sale for $3. They like the design, just a handmade looking bowl, put it on their mantle. Years later, they're like, "Yeah, we should figure out what this is. They ask around, they ask some dealers. It turns out the bowl is from the Northern Song Dynasty in China. Oh. That's 11th century. Um, and it sold for $2.2 million. <laughs> Literally, there was like only one other bowl that was they sort paid of like three dollars for it. Yeah, oh, yeah, garage sale. Yeah, see, because they like the bowl. It does. You know what? That's what good. always amazes me uh, uh, is the provenance of these items. Is yeah, you know, I mean, like not only has it survived this long without right. getting just smashed to a million pieces, but at some Passed point, down, yeah. somebody knew its value at yeah, some point. Yeah, and it just yeah. lost you know, to the mist of time. You maybe. know, uh, well, the thing is, you can't take it with you, and it's something that I yeah. try to remember as a collector yeah. as well. <laughs> like, you know, eventually, I should do something with this stuff because what what happens is. Like if you if you keep all of this stuff, yeah. you die, yeah. and like your family they doesn't have no know, idea, doesn't they, yeah, care. It's true. You've passed on this big burden to your surviving relatives, and yeah. they go and they're just like, oh my god, we have to sell all this stuff from grandma's house, and stuff is going to slip through the cracks. You know, you got to yeah. you got to do something with it when you're alive. It's true, yeah, it's true. What are um, you gonna do? If I have things, because I do have some things that are like one of a kind and important, and those will go to a museum, basically. Oh, okay. So somewhere you're a video game Indiana Jones. It's like this, this, <laughs> this belongs in a museum. No, I'm more the I'm more the video game Marcus Brody. Actually, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's a second level <laughs> Indiana Jones reference. Who um, plays him? So Malcolm. Denim Elliott. Denim Elliott. Yes, the wonderfully so, confused. And so, a word of warning to close: uh, a lot of times, there's you will hear stories about uh, amazing flea market finds and things like that. And sometimes people are using that as a cover story. Uh, there was a what do you story. Mean? Uh, so there, there was a story that I that I saw, and I did a little bit more digging about a woman who said she bought a Renoir for three dollars at a flea market. But then, when they started digging into it, it's like this. It had been stolen from a museum in like the 1960s. Yeah. And then people kind of said, like, oh, we remember like her mother having this. Uh, I'm not saying her mom stole it or anything. I'm just right. saying that like uh, she, didn't she, get was it. Making, she might have been making up a cover story. It's as like laundering yeah. it, basically. She, yeah. yeah. So so do your digging. But the ones that I told you about are def- definitely happened. All right. And that's our show it's funny because every time we do a show i want to do like what we talked about i'm like oh i'm all jazz looking for good scores <laughs> and, and try out negotiating tactics and go on a game show just like how last episode we talked about <laughs> bagels and burger king in, in mattoon illinois i was like i now i just want a big bagel yep. um <laughs> Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about uh, negotiation tactics. Uh, Bobby, what's his face? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you learned a lot about Bobby, what's his face. <laughs> you see you for it. Not even the first thing about It just like goes into a little void. Vanilla, <laughs> Bobby Vanilla for the Mets. Uh, game shows and more. You can find it. <laughs> Bobby, the dog that played baseball. <laughs> I think we all remember that story. <laughs> 
They pay him in milk bones. <laughs> okay. A million a year, That's right? <laughs> Bernie Madoff had yeah, a hookup yeah, to the milk yeah. bones. <laughs> you got it. You got it. It was a poochie scheme. Iron Vault. Yeah. Iron Vault. Poochie yeah. poochie scheme. Yeah. <laughs> on Stitcher, on Spotify, uh, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. <laughs> well, so we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Bye. <laughs> <laughs>